Hello and a very warm welcome to a new episode of Women Build, brought to you by World Architecture News from Alison and Nav. In today's episode, we speak to Meredith Seeds about designing retail spaces to suit everyone's needs, whether design expectations have changed post-pandemic and how physical spaces are being impacted by online shopping and the metaverse's potential. Meredith is a design leader and director at Nelson Worldwide, where she provides both a strategic and artistic approach to developing design solutions for brands. She's worked with brands including Levi's, T-Mobile, Tiffany's and Macy's. Hi Meredith, thanks for joining us today. I'd just like to start by asking, what really got you interested in designing for retail? Yeah, that's a big question. I'm an interior designer, went to school for interior design, absolutely loved it and really kind of fell into retail just, you know, with word of mouth and, you know, job posting with some friends and former classmates and just really loved it. It really clicked with me in terms of a really strategic point of view in terms of what a brand is trying to achieve in a retail setting um, and the various manifestations of that is just really exciting as a as a problem solver by nature. And what would you consider the most important things you need to address when you're designing retail spaces? Well, it's quite diverse in terms of what the brand is trying to achieve within that retail environment. There's a lot of really simple executions or new updates that need to happen just from a refresh point of view, all the way to a completely new way of thinking and new way to manifest in the space based on the design brief. So the scope can be quite different from project to project, but ultimately it's really about trying to connect the brand in that retail space with the consumer and making sure that they all link together and that that communication is um, is clear. Has the growth of online shopping affected the briefs that you're being asked to design? Um, I Yes, a little bit, a little bit. I think it's more for me about how to make sure that there is a holistic point of view from the brand to the customer. So when they receive something at their door, how consistent is that messaging, that packaging, that experience you're trying to create when you don't have the opportunity to do that in a retail setting? So how can you continue to communicate consistently? Um, but in terms of the physical space, there are some different nuances that we've been considering, and especially at the early planning stages where buy online, um, pick up in store is continuing to be a pretty popular solution for ways to connect. So whereas before it was a convenience factor, it's still a convenience factor, but how does that journey differ or how can you create just as important of a touch point for those consumers that are only engaging with you for just a moment, as well as just the in-store customer? So, you know, we're trying to consider it from the consumer lens, We also need to think about operationally, what do we need to do to facilitate that? So whether that's a larger back stock, if there's an adjacent stock towards the front of the store for, you know, easy delivery, if the cash wrap location needs to be different, if we need to split, just so it's a little bit more of an intuitive journey. There's a lot of quick, good planning studies that we can do to put in front of the brand to see what they feel comfortable with, as well as what we're trying to push to make sure that they're consistently relevant and that we think that's the right thing to do for the consumer. There's a lot of different things you now need to consider. Was there a change happening before COVID or has it been exacerbated by the pandemic? 
Um, I think there was definitely a change happening before COVID. I think the convenience factor, we were all, you know, almost to burn out <laughs> in terms of everybody working so hard and trying to get the convenience factor was a great way for consumers to continue to connect with their brands and just, you know, to come to the store. Um, so I think the people and the brands that had kind of, you know, greased the wheels, so to speak, had already started to do that kind of work before the pandemic, um, were able to really just hit the ground running when that happened. So they adjusted quickly, they adapted, and then it left some of the brands really trying to catch up and try to be as efficient in that way. And when you say trying to catch up with design, is that the the practical or more placement issue? I think it's, I think with the catch up, it was at first practical placement. And then I think what you start to see is the amazing, you know, lift of sales or the success that they were able to achieve in that ability to adapt that allows them to then step into the future with a more permanent point of view. And so that's where the design comes in and that's where we can really help. Are there any common trends that you're seeing in retail design? (laughs) Yes, I think all stores are really trying to make sure that they're merging with that physical and that digital kind of opportunity, right? So consumers are already engaged with your brand on their phone. And so what can the omni-channel do to support the in-store experience and vice versa? So I think we've always come to the brand with a strategy around digital and how does it help and support the journey and how does it help support um, what the consumer is looking for in terms of features and benefits or product comparisons or just inspiration or connecting back via their phone and their locale. I think it's it's now becoming much more appropriate and much more viable to have a lot more digital within the space and that it, it's never a screen in the space, right? It's got to always be engaged at the right touch point and just sort of intuitive in its own usage. So I guess it's making retail and shops more of an immersive experience for visitors. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's just all touch points, whether it's ambient, whether it's emotive, whether it's, you know, simple moves with lighting, or it's the digital overlay, or it's just the executional ways and the wow of how you can engage with product really well. And post-COVID, what would you say are some of the biggest challenges? I guess many shop owners are aware of the need for air ventilation and perhaps allowing for more space for customers. What are you seeing now? Or is it perhaps that they're hoping that COVID is now in abeyance so shops can still have that density? Yeah, actually, I anticipated maybe a lot more permanent outcomes from COVID and like occupancy load, for example, that there may be some, you know, new formulas and and codes that we would have to contend with. But I actually haven't seen much of that other than, you know, I think the queuing spacing that, you know, was (laughs) was mandated that six feet apart for quite a while. I think that's still an intuitive thing. And that's more consistent now where before it was a little bit more per retailer to their discretion. Now it's a lot more intuitive in terms of having the queue line and keeping that spacing apart. And in terms of design, an experiential point of view, we tended to do a lot more of, you know, community spaces and gathering and bringing people together and using the retail as a destination for those gatherings. I also anticipated that that was maybe going to be a thing of the past. However, I'm actually seeing more of a desire to have those communal spaces within that retail because it does make it much more destination worthy and much more exciting to just, you know, if you're going to engage in the retail environment, you've committed to being in a space. So I think you've got the people that are coming in and out and you want to address that service as well. But the people that are there are really wanting to connect in a bigger way. I presume you're talking about cafes and the like. 
Yeah, co- yeah, correct. Like, I think, um, I think whether it's a cafe, again, it has to be appropriate for your brand. But it's it's more of like, how do you connect it? If you're a footwear brand, how do you make trial of footwear just a, a totally different experience in terms of how communal it can be, or how rather than rather dispersing people, do we bring them together? You know, it could be a cafe. I really have always loved what Rafa does in terms of their um, ability to create these more clubhouse destination worthy. So they really want to bring people together for coffee, for gathering, for planning your ride. And then it's like your start end to your journey. So there are brands that I think are doing, you know, that kind of more immersive retail. So it's not, you know, it's hospitality infused retail. It's retail coming to hospitality. I think there's just a lot more of a, a merge between this whole lifestyle that we're seeing out there, which I think is really fantastic. I do think people possibly now make shopping more of an outing and an experience yeah. rather than a chore that just has to be done. Yeah, I think that's the difference. I think before it was like a to-do list and there were some highlights probably to your to-do list and your errands that you you know you were looking forward to, but most of them were kind of tedious. And so now the tedious errands can be shipped to you and delivered to you and then you can actually really go out and enjoy yourself a little bit more. What are you sort of designing or seeing or feeling that should be put into retail? The whole experience, making it more comfortable and and possibly safer for people to visit physical stores again. You can't be everything to all consumers, right? So we always kind of think of it as like being a matchmaker between your brand and your consumer. And, you know, there's not everyone's for everybody, right? So it's about making sure that those people come together and that it's, it's a fruitful kind of relationship. But I think it's about setting expectations as well, you know, whether it's from signage and wayfinding or, you know, lifestyle photography or just moments of engagement versus moments for self-guidance. I think just coordinating the journey of the consumer really helps set that customer um, at ease. And do you feel that stores need to cater more for the different groups that are visiting, such as the elderly and those with children? I think it's, again, it goes back to who's shopping your store, right? And making sure that, you know, if it's for families, it's for if, if it's for elderly, et cetera, that you have, you know, wider pathways for, you know, wheelchair access, um, as well as stroller access. It's about kind of putting your head into that consumer and trying to follow what their needs are and just kind of meeting them where their need states. I think we've always done a really good job of just making sure that we're really strategic and how, you know, different customers want to self-shop and some want to really be helped and guided. So I think there's a balance of making sure that the associates are in tune with all those different needs that we're coming together so that there is that kind of thoughtfulness. And when you're designing, looking at a brief, do you find the retailers themselves know what they want in terms of a design? Or is it very much that you bring your thoughts to the table to give them an idea of what's possible? I think in my experience, when a retailer knows what they want, it doesn't become as successful as a solution. Just in in my experience, I think when we can come to the table with some really thought provoking, you know, scenarios about what if we introduce this or what if we think about it this way, I think it opens their eyes to different possibilities that we have permission to play to really understand and push the boundaries to really make it disruptive in itself, as well as within the industry. I think We've struggled in the past where you have a brand or a retailer that has in their mind what the solution is, and you tend to kind of have this wall up, and you cannot necessarily provide the right solution for them. It's, it's, uh, you tend to be more of like a drafts person rather than a, a really strategic partner. Have customers changed their minds once you've given them new ideas? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. It's pretty fun. I think because of the way we think and the strategic approach to how we come to them, they value us as just such significant partners for the long haul. So we really have great relationships with our clients. And that's always really fun when you can have a nice longevity with a client and build that relationship as a, as a trusted partner. How often do you find shops are being refurbished? There's always sort of this like seven-year cadence we've seen, but it really depends. I think if there's a retailer that wants to be at the forefront, they're going to have to reinvent themselves pretty frequently. And our job is to help them build an infrastructure that helps them do that. So if we know at the forefront that you know they want to be refreshed or changing or completely redoing their store you know, every couple of months, then that changes what we need to do with the design. If we think that there's something that's going to be a little bit more evergreen, then let's build that in as more of a brand touch point. So it's about creating that hierarchy of flexibility and changeability that really can help support them. So something as simple as we want to cut back the associates running back and forth to try to get new sizes for an associate. So what does that mean we should do for them? Like, okay, if we put more of the stock right where they need it, then that helps alleviate their runtime, their flusteredness, as well as the consumer's (laughs) desires. And then it's something as like the product is going away from being boxed to being pegged. So we need to make sure that our fixture system can support that. So I, I just love the fact that we can be really, really, you know, top line, really high level strategic all the way down to the to the details. And so, you know, we just want to solve the problem, whatever that looks like. What normally brings a client to you? Is it that they want to uplift their sales or they want to, as you mentioned, make their staff's life a little easier? There's a wide variety of needs. I mean, I think a lot of what we see is, you know, new leadership, right? New leadership comes in and they want to make waves and they want to bring some of the knowledge that they've gained from previous roles into this new setting. Sometimes that's more fruitful than others. And then you've got just a real eye-opening need for we need to update, we need to do a, do a better service for our customers. So we might be making money, but are we doing the best that we can? Is that, are we putting our best foot forward? Which must really add to the adventure of designing in these projects. It does. I think it's really fun. Even though the brief is different or the desired end state is different sometimes, the process is the same. So it's about broad strokes, strategic a- approach, and what are the right moves? Again, down to those details. So I think it's, it's fun, even if it's just a quick pop-up to a really immersive retail brand home. So some stores may typically include bright lights and smells and loud music, which could be stressful or overstimulating for people with neurodiversity. How can retail design be adapted to suit these needs? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think there's always been this sort of spectrum of diversity, thought of diversity of needs throughout our design process. And obviously, there's a core consumer with everybody, but that is usually based on, you know, quantifiable metrics, not necessarily qualifiable metrics. So I think understanding your consumer at the first and foremost is making sure that the brand is coming to life in the retail environment the way that they want to, but the way that their customers need them to be. So it's it's sort of that balance, right? So it's about being thoughtful. Um, It's about having the right associates to kind of anticipate those needs. It's about making sure that the retail environment has the variety of communication as well as just to help guide those separate journeys. So I think when it comes to smell, some retailers are kind of working away from that. And then in terms of the music, making sure that that music is not only the right volume for that brand, but it's the right soundtrack. It's the light levels. I think we're being tasked 
not only from a consumer engagement level for lighting to be the right level of lighting, but from a code perspective, just to make sure that our energy usage is mindful and considerate. So I think there's a wide variety of touch points just to help be cognizant of that. And how important would you say wayfinding is to designing retail spaces? It's an important factor for sure. I think the scale of your space depends a little bit on how and what the hierarchy of communication is. But I think it's important whether it um, is an intuitive, you know, sort of lifestyle photography that makes it feel, okay, this is one side of the store versus another side of the store. This is definitely for kids versus adults, just in the way that it's merchandised. So there's more intuitive wayfinding, for example. But then there is definitely making sure that everybody has clear expectations and you can help coordinate the journey as you need. So the wayfinding can be incredibly important. And what is currently done and what can be done to make sure that people with disabilities can easily get around and find their way around stores? I think we've always had to make sure that there is clear pathways, there is clear signage, whether that be even in a small retail environment, just understanding the product categories at that level, even at shelf level, what are we communicating? Um, what, what is the product doing? What is the merchandising doing? And what are the graphics and digital, all the things, how are they communicating? So in terms of finding your way, I think it's clear pathways, it's to remove all the barriers and just making sure that everybody, regardless of any condition, has an equal opportunity, an equal experience. And thinking about technology, what can be added and implemented to make the shopping and retail experience easier for people with new technology? We don't necessarily want to offer like a digital solution. A lot of different people are touching and grabbing and holding. And, you know, I think just after the pandemic, I think people are a little more adverse to like wanting to touch things. <laughs> but I think there is something really, really helpful around sound, music, digital signage that can move and flux as you approach. So it's whether it's sort of censored or not censored, but sensed um, with the user and their approachability. I think that's something that we can consider. Now we're beginning to see a lot of brands moving into the metaverse. How does this impact how stores are being designed in the real and physical world to continue to encourage people into these physical spaces and offer the younger generations the same excitement in a physical store that they would get in a virtual store? I mean, I think what I actually love about it is just like, we have completely just ripped the bandaid off of anything, right? Like, let's go for it. Let's see what we can do. And it's allowed people to really push and consider what do they stand for? What are they trying to communicate? How do they get that buzz? How do they engage in a really fun new way? Um, and what kind of, you know, financial implications are, are involved to to achieve that? Um, I think it's fantastic. So I, I love watching and seeing what's, what's happening and trying to really understand as, uh, you know, from my perspective, what do we need to do to provide the environment that kind of level of overlay of, of interest of transcending sort of the walls um, and how to, how, to, how to engage in this completely new realm is really exciting. And do you get involved in designing stores for the metaverse? Not yet. Not yet. I'm, I'm excited to do so. Um, no, not yet. So I think, I think it'll, be, it'll be really great. And as if the metaverse wasn't enough to get your head around, there's also NFTs now. And I've seen on architecture specific NFT marketplaces, someone was selling an NFT of a shopping mall and then would also sell the individual lots within that to retailers to host their own virtual store in there. 
Yeah, I think it's absolutely fantastic and, and kind of crazy. Like the again, the rule book is gone. So it's just really exciting to think about, you know, all of those different possibilities that you would only dream of can actually happen. And I think just knowing the different ways to engage again with your target, you know, I, I think it's great. I think it's fantastic. One last thing. The environment and sustainability are so important now. They have a vital impact. What is the retail sector doing to support sustainability initiatives? There's a a lot of conversations that we're having with a lot of our clients. So whether that be just a really deep dive research into the sustainable approach to their the the design itself. So whether we're selecting a wood, what is that wood? Is that local? Is that consistent throughout the region? Obviously not. So what do we do then to make sure that there's a consistency, but also consideration in terms of the locale and the and the resources available? Obviously the codes are getting much more stringent. So if you want to try to achieve lead certification. They've got to hit a lot of markers, but they're not necessarily just materials and resources, but it's in terms of, you know, adaptive reuse and what kind of elements are we going to maintain so that we are considerate about our footprint? What kind of plumbing updates are we doing? What kind of HVAC updates are we doing to make sure it's a little bit more energy efficient? So I think just being privy to a lot of those conversations has been really, really great. What's the right thing to do versus what might be desired, I think is ni- is a nice tension that we're having right now. So whether it's a financial draw at the very end where, you know, we want to be lead, but we can't actually afford to make all the investments or in- and changes that we need to do in order to achieve that, you know, what does that say about that that corporation? So I think you have to have that bigger brand and corporate support. Costs, as you mentioned, are companies spending more on their retail units now than they were pre-COVID, would you say? I don't know where it's going to net out, but what I've noticed is obviously people want it for cheaper than before, which is great to know at the onset that means what, what your limitations are from a design perspective, but the resourcing of things is completely upside down. So whether it's, you know, something that was used to be really affordable is now eight times as expensive or something that is really, really achievable, just the lead time in order to secure is changing everything. So now the open date keeps shifting, which is a different kind of financial implication. So permitting time is incredibly long in certain jurisdictions. So we're getting, you know, kind of backed into a corner on how to expedite some things. So there's an added cost for the, for the brands on just trying to expedite these things. I feel like it's netting out as more expensive than ever anticipated. So the budgets that we see don't necessarily align with what the current state of the world is. So I'd like to see how that kind of nets out in the next couple of years. Thanks for your time today, Marius. Really appreciate it. We welcome your feedback on the podcast. So please aim all your comments to waneditorial at haymarket.com. You can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. So follow, download and join us as we look into the world of architecture from a female perspective, wherever you are.